Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to one of the rare occasions you will have an associate rector's forum. <laughs> Let us uh, open in prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you for the opportunity for Joe to be away in another context and uh, for me to get a chance to teach uh, the Rector's Forum. And we thank you for the breakfast that was made for us and that it nourished us. And I ask that as we dive into a tough time and a tough word, uh, but as well the hope that comes forth through the Book of Lamentations. Now let us open our hearts, minds, and souls to what you have for us this morning. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Does anyone know much about that book, Lamentations? Well, we're going to tell you what it means if you don't know about it. The, this was one, if you're familiar with the liturgical calendar, uh, we have sets of readings in the summer, track one and track two. And the epistle and gospel are the same across, but then track one and track two track different uh, people and cultures through the Bible. Um, and so this is from track two, and it was the appointed reading today, and it's all about the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was one of the authors that we'll talk about of the book of Lamentations. But if you were here for the 8 o'clock service, as you heard in the readings across the spectrum, there is this great theme today of despair and then looking for hope within despair. And Lamentations is a book that take this, uh, it's, it's almost on par with Job, if you're familiar with Job. This book represents one of the darkest periods of all ancient biblical history. Lamentations, the five chapters. And this is about Jeremiah the prophet, and he is overseeing the death of an entire nation. And it's the death of his nation, and he's basically in the book of Lamentations presiding over the funeral over the city of Jerusalem. And so we're, we're talking about a dark, dark time in biblical history. And there is a death of a nation that we have to remember. While the death of the nation is occurring, there is also a faithful promise that God is at work while uh, Jerusalem is going through all of this. So this is Lamentations, is one of the most significant passages in the whole of Scripture on the faithfulness of God to his people. If there's an overarching theme, that is it, the faithfulness of God to his people. And I don't know if you, it's, it's hard for us, honestly, as Americans to think about watching the death of our nation. You know, we, some people might feel that way sometimes, that we might be heading that way, but we, ha we have not been here historically, yet actually knowing the death of the nation is coming. And this, there's also a sub-theme in this book, Encounters Among God's People and Looking Nationally in both peer-to-peer, family-to-family, and then on the national and international levels. All across the board, great despair, and then how God is being faithful through these times of despair. And sometimes it's hard to realize when you're in those moments personally, and I don't mean to diminish any of the things that we have gone through because there is great suffering. 
across different stages of life and ages. We know to middle school students failing a test or getting dumped by a boyfriend or girlfriend, that is, when you're that age, that's the end of the world. And then as we get older, we've got taxes and divorce and losing jobs. And, and then on up the age when we start losing our friends that are our, I mean, there, there is great suffering across life. So when you hear me say Americans don't realize it, we do. I mean, it's just in different forms and fashions, but just try to, as we're getting into Lamentations, try to put yourself in that context of Jer Jeremiah is lamenting as he is watching not just his nation, but his town that he was born and raised in, where the people and community that loves him, it's all dying around him. And this is the uh, context of Lamentations 3. And yeah, there are some very hopeful verses uh, that we could read. And if we read them out of context, then we're missing the point of the faithfulness in some of the darkest times that humanity has ever gone through. Here's a little bit more context before we get into our specific reading today. This, the year was 586 B.C., which if we had to compare that time to something that we have been through, it was almost like a September 11th. Now, our nation didn't die from that, but we know what we felt when that happened. Like we had never been attacked on our soil before and we were vulnerable, we were weak, and, but some unity came out of, out of the tragedy of 9-11 as well. So in 587 BC, the nation, has just died. The Babylonians have come in and taken over the entire city of Jerusalem, and they had burned it, the majority of it, to the ground. And thousands of people were dying in the streets as Jeremiah was writing what he saw. And that's the, the backdrop to Lamentations. He's writing about it as this is happening. Thousands of them, of people, had come in for protection into Jerusalem to avoid all the pillaging by the Babylonians. And people were dying in the streets, and disease was spreading rapidly. The temple, the sacred place, was burnt. And it got so bad that Jeremiah writes in another book that parents were reduced to actually eating their young just to survive. Oh, that's why that's one of those things we don't know what that is like but jeremiah writes about it in other books and that's how bad it got jeremiah is is almost like a war correspondent or a reporter reporting on the things that he's seeing and when you get into all of lamentations you 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 get that you get the feeling of wow that was a really bad time and i understand the the just despair that's in his language, and yet the faithfulness that comes from God through that. So, and that's what the word lament means, at lamentations. It's a strong cry. And there's chapters one through five of lamentations. There's five different lamentations. And we're gonna focus on the reading we have in the third chapter of lamentations today. And you know, not only this is going on, but thousands of more people are living in this city will be carted off to Babylon. And just as a side note, Daniel is one of those. So if you know much about the book of Daniel, some of his writings are uh, inspired by this as well. So let's focus in on that reading 
that you have there in front of you in chapter 3. We get to this odd part of the book of Lamentations because if you're familiar with it at all, you know it's bad. And you know it doesn't get better. It just gets worse. And there, But there's the theme of God's great faithfulness as things are getting worse. But here in chapter 3, we have these sudden verses, which are an island of hope in an ocean of despair. Verse 21 and on is where our reading starts. And it's telling us we live in an uncertain world, yes, but within there are some certainties within the uncertainties that we, that they then going through that despair and we today can rely on. So here's the first one that starts in verse 22. I'm only going to talk about three of these certainties that happen in uncertain times. One is there is mercy in the midst of mayhem. Mercy in the midst of mayhem. Look at verse 22 there. And I did this on purpose. Some people describe them nuts, but I kind of like it. I'm going to be reading from the NRSV, which we read in church, but you have a different translation. And that's done on purpose to try to get into the language. So what I read is not going to be the same, but I wanted you to see some of the different translation just to show us the depth of the lamenting. So here's verse 22, how it starts. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And this really is the only bright spot in the book. In essence, a diamond in the rough. Verse 22, the steadfast love of God never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. For the prophet Jeremiah, this is a reminder the prophet can see through the smoke of judgment, and he focuses on the mercy of God. While he's watching his town and people die around him and the town of Jerusalem burn, he's locking into this verse, steadfast love of God never ceases. And he said, it's because of these mercies that we are not consumed, that we aren't destroyed and you can see how incredible of a faith statement that that is. As he's experiencing those things, he's, we are not consumed. We are not burned up because of God's steadfast love and his mercy towards us. And Jeremiah is witnessing death and destruction all around him. And yet he says, in the end, we may bow down, but we are not out. It's almost the great story of hope, getting to the very end as a lot of movies and literature like to bring you down all the way, and yet there's this glimmer of hope. We're not going to be destroyed or completely wiped out through this like the other nations had being attacked by the Babylonians. God is merciful to us and makes that promise to us. It is not the end. Here's the translation of that. We're all going to face mayhem. We're going to face confusion, hardship, heartache, suffering, battles, and storms. But that promise, just like for the city of Jerusalem, is granted to us as well. We'll go through those things, and yet we have this promise of the mercy of God in mayhem. I don't know. I, I'm having those those commercials, the insurance, the mayhem commercials yes. pop in my head. Yeah, I 
That was brilliant. I love those commercials. Some of us are discovering that life is a process of dealing with things that we didn't plan. We know this all, all too well. As a, I was just joking with uh, Brian and Barb, and mo most of you know that uh, Ashley is much better, but still healing from her Achilles tendon. And we thought our summer was going to look much different. And although she is well on the road to recovery, it threw us for a loop. Life really sent us for a loop, and we've gotten through. We had to put our heads down and get through. And adjusting to the realization that life's going to throw curveballs, we can, we can say, well, that's not what I was planning on. Or you've probably heard the cliche, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. How have we lived that out? And one of the greatest suffering stories in the Bible, Job, which I mentioned earlier, uh, this line comes from Job. Man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward out of the voice of Job. So, and remember, one of, a funeral song, which we also have at Good Friday, Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and yet the great hope that comes, I will fear no evil. That means we must walk through that valley. Just by saying I have faith in God, becoming a Christian, I, it doesn't mean you're not going to go through trial and tribulation because there is brokenness in this world. And yet Easter, what we celebrate with the resurrection, stepping in and defeating that brokenness is the greatest hope any of us could have as Christians. And life doesn't work that way. It's like the commercials that we talked about, the mayhem. Life is full of it, but there will be mercy in the midst of it. The big point, number one. And look at the word, look, look back at the text in mercy, right under verse 22. Though the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. That word is, the, the actual word mercy is used 250 times in the Old Testament. And sometimes it is translated as loving kindness um, in some different translations. And the Hebrew word, I'm going to try to pronounce it here, is chesed. Has anyone ever heard of it? Chesed. Um, this is translated loyal or covenant love. The Hebrew word chesed. And it means that God made a covenant with all of us, with you, with me. And he will act in love and mercy towards you because of the covenant he has made with humanity. This is what chesed means, and then the great promise of mercy in the midst of mayhem. So rather than focusing on the great grief that comes in life, which is, it is so easy as a human to get lost in the human experience and the bad things that we have to get through, we have the chesed promise, his compassion towards us, and that keeps us through. C.H. McIntosh once wrote, 10,000 mercies are forgotten in the presence of a single trifling moment. Think about that and how true as humans that is. 10,000 mercies that we have experienced and how we can quickly take them for granted or just forget them when we go through one really trying moment in life. Have you been there before? Guilty. Uh, saying, I'm in love with you, God, and God, you're so good. I trust you in one, in one voice, 
and then something happens and you find yourself saying, where are you, God? You may not even be there. And that is so natural to question and to doubt through our hardest moments. But let us not, or let's drown out the trifling moments with God's great mercy. That's the challenge to all of us in Lamentations. And here's Jeremiah, again, looking at the death and destruction and saying, God is merciful because we're not completely wiped out. It's a challenge for all of us. And remember, in mayhem, there will be mercy. Here's a second point of those certainties within uncertainties. God's resource will match what you require. The resources of God will match what you require to get through. Verse 23 says this. They are new, they being mercies, God's mercies. They are new every morning, his compassions. And then it's as if he pauses and lifts his head and says, great is your faithfulness. I just want you to understand how significant that is, that Jeremiah is lifting his head and saying, God, you are great and you are faithful even through these dark times we are going through. It's like someone standing at ground zero directly after 9-11 and saying, God, you are great and you are faithful. That puts a real contextual spin, visualization on it. And that's how bad it was in Jerusalem. This is what Jeremiah is saying. Whatever the day throws at you, God will match it with his mercy. Whatever requirement, whatever need you have of God, he will match it with his resources. Every single morning, whatever you need to get through, you are granted through a fresh supply of God's chesed, the covenant love and compassion and redeeming love of God through his grace. But here's the catch. Have you, are you familiar with manna? Uh, in the Old Testament stories. Do you remember manna in the Old Testament? There was a catch for God to provide manna. And what was that? What, did, what was the catch that the people had to do to receive that manna? They had to go and gather it every single morning. And if you try to get out there and stockpile it, instead of gathering it every morning, it will actually go bad on you. And you must go out every morning and collect that fresh manna. We need to demonstrate that we depend on God every morning. On these promises we have, it's like going out daily to get that manna for ourselves. Instead of saying, I'll show up on Sunday. And then maybe I'll be there a month from now or another liturgical season from now. That's not collecting the manna every morning. That's, it's, a, it's a challenge to all of us. God's mercies are like that. They are new every morning, as scripture, scripture tells us. Receive what you need to attack the day in that time, not just on Sundays or random days through the week. Gather the new mercies of God every single morning, for they are the resource that will get you both through the celebrations of life and also through the toughest times of life. Jeremiah says and explains, expounds, great is your faithfulness. And that really is such a text. There is a declaration not of what he is experiencing. It is based on what he actually knows. He's not reacting 
to all the negative and dark he sees around him, but he knows this and he lives it out. What he is seeing is the destruction of his homeland. And yet he makes a statement, not about what is he is seeing, but what he knows about God. Great is your faithfulness in these moments. He's, he cries out. God is always faithful, but we don't always notice when God is faithful. It is easy to take for granted. We are the kind of people that live in the shadows rather than, rather than noticing what's not in the shadows around us. Are you all familiar with Thomas Chrisholm? Do you know that name? I bet you will pretty soon. <laughs> he lived, especially choir members, but probably need a little trivia for you. He lived in the 1800s, and, and he was born into Franklin, Kentucky, into an uneducated family, but he had a desire to be in the ministry. He got his dream. He entered into the ministry being ordained, but because of very poor health, he could only remain in the ministry for one year. After one year, he had to quit. He couldn't keep up the pace, the demands of the ministry lifestyle, and his energy had just left him. And he actually got into the insurance business, selling insurance to people for his final days. So he had a dream, and he lived it for one year, and then that dream was gone. He was experiencing a dark place of life. And within all of that, he said something profound. He said this, I must never fail to record the unfailing faithfulness of a covenant-keeping God. And boy, did he keep that promise as he would go on to write 1,200 poems and hundreds of songs. And one of them is based on Lamentations 3. It is the hymn, Great is thy faithfulness, written by uh, Thomas Chrism. Great is thy faithfulness. These are the words of the hymn, if you know it. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not, as thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, they hand provided me. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Second verse of that hymn. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above, join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Pardon for sin and peace that endureth. This is verse 3. Strength for today and bring hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. Back to the chorus. Great is the faithfulness of God. Did you realize that there is 7,487 promises in the Bible that God made to mankind? They will get you through to your tomorrows. And don't ever forget to look around where you might not see or to take for granted where God remains faithful. It's food, it can be gas, it can be hug that a person needs, always looking around for the faithfulness of God in life's most trying moments. That brings us to the third and final point of these certainties within uncertainty, and it's in verse 25. The Lord is good to those that wait on him, says the prophet to the soul who seeks him. 
It is good that one should wait and hope quietly or the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and keep silent because God has laid it on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust, yet there may be hope. Let him give his cheek to one that strikes him and be full of reproach, for the Lord will never cast off forever. And the third point is just because you experience delays. It, you may pray for something and not get an answer quickly. Just because you have delays, it doesn't always mean that God is denying you. That's the third and final point. In this text, between verse 21 and 31, two words appear five times. It's the word hope and also the word wait. Two predominant themes throughout chapter 3. And they always go together which is an interesting idea. Uh, here, he is waiting in hope. Jeremiah is. These are the words of a man anticipating some answer from God at some point in the future. He's realizing, yeah, it's bad, but we are not done yet. He's living into the promises of God's faithfulness. Through it all, he's still waiting, and yet he is still hoping. And this is the life of faith that we still live into today. The hope, our faith in God's grace and his gospel. Now you know that Jeremiah predicted that the destruction of Jerusalem would actually happen in the book that bears his name, Jeremiah. In the prophecy of Jeremiah before the book of Lamentations, he spent 40 years running around the city telling people that the book, one day the Babylonians would come and do what they were going to do, and yet nobody listened to him. He, he was saying, they're going to come. They're going to destroy. They're going to take us captive for 40 years. And he was just seen as a crazy guy running around delivering that message. And in 40 years, not one single person listened to him. And now... That day had come when we're in Lamentations, seeing that destru destruction all around them. He also made another prediction. He said in the book of Jeremiah, there is coming a day when the city is destroyed and yet it will be restored. So his, he, he didn't just stay in the destruction. There's that waiting and going through agonizing times followed by a great hope that would come in the death and resurrection of Jesus and what that would mean um, also with David and being the new Jesus in Old Testament times. After seven, 70 years in Babylonian captivity, you will come back to the city and God will restore you and you will rebuild. Jerusalem after 70 years will begin to be put back together. So now the words wait and hope actually make more sense. If you read it without that context, not knowing the 70 years and everything they had been through, it's a little hard for us to hear wait and hope. But when you see how it came to fruition, then the words wait and hope have a much deeper meaning. And here's a fellow that expects God to answer at the same time he gives room for God to answer. It's an important part of all of this. Lord, I expect you to answer but I know it will be in your time and in your way. And that's what the waiting is about. Not trying to rush it or put our own spin on it, but waiting for the Lord in his time. 
And sometimes that is harder said than done as we live in the your way right away culture, especially today. In all, in all honesty, I'm not very good at waiting. I, I hate it, actually, and yet it's a discipline that Lamentations reminds me. So I confess to you that I myself am not very good at waiting on the Lord most of the time. But think of waiting for the Lord sort of, sort of like waiting for a good movie. As the director will put in creative pause, then there will be antagonism, and then there's angst in most films that we see or books that we read, there won't be any resolve for a long time as you wait for that resolve. But eventually, you come to a place where you wait for it, you wait for it, and suddenly the climax and there's resolve, and you can breathe a sigh of relief. It's, it's almost like that. And there's a great ending. What this means for us is that we start looking for God's mercy in the midst of the mayhem. Point number one, we start grabbing a hold of his resources in the midst of our requirements to get through the toughest of times. Point two, and it also means we don't, uh, when we don't get what we want, when we want it, we say, that's okay. And we wait and we hope for the promises of God. This is important because not now doesn't mean no. And that was the third and final point. Just because it doesn't happen as quickly or as you anticipated it to happen, it doesn't mean it won't. And the trick, the task is to learn to let go a little more and to trust a little more in God, in our relationships with God. And this, this is a season I'm personally actually in now. So I'm talking to myself more than you, but hopefully you know what I'm saying. I rely on your promises and realize, God, it is time to let go. If you find yourself in one of life's great pits, forcing pause and forcing you to look up, and as you look up to, to, up to God, you remember always, remember if you are in that moment of life, God's mercies, and you say God is faithful. You keep looking to him and anticipating his answer, and God will work, but it will be in his way and his time. Always good to remember. And if you don't, you will all too easily sink back into the muck and mire that is the brokenness of this world. So that is our overarching great theme of the Book of Lamentations today. Great is the faithfulness of God. Amen. We got a few minutes before 1030 worship. Are there any uh, just comments about what you've heard or any questions? Dorsey? Yeah, I think that also God proved that he's the man, he's the God of his word, because he told Jeremiah that that uh, Jerusalem would fall. And that it would come a time when they would be eating the flesh of their sons, their daughters, and each other. And it, because they kept going back to Baal and not not sticking with, with God. Every time he got them out of the jam. And that was That's right. He's, he's the God of his word. Mm. I, find, I mean, there's, there's repeated pattern yeah. of that. Over the last, just in the gospel as we've been in Mark over the past few weeks, you keep hearing the disciples and those around him saying, who is this? <laughs> and yet they've experienced 
exorcisms and healings right there physically in front of them, and yet they still, who is this that keeps doing that? It's, it's human. It's part of being us. Huh? Um, I wanted to thank you um, for uh, relating mercy to uh, manna. was really, really helpful. Good. <clears throat> but you have to go seek it out. Mm -hmm. Manna was the when they, when they were the Old Testament stories of they're they're out for is it forty years or four hundred years to escape and and they're they're complaining to God about you said we'd have the promised land a lot quicker than this and yet they're they're out and they're they're exercised out of the promised land and so this is God's provision for them and manna is. It's a food that they find on the ground, you know, and it's not the filet mignon or, you know, but and they, they even complain about there's this field of food, which is like a bread, a white flaky substance that manna from heaven and they eat it and they have food to survive all of those years. And yet they keep complaining. We thought this would go faster. Why is it taking so long for us to get to the promised land for us? Where? In the middle in the Middle East. Oh, where, where in the Old Testament? Exodus. Uh, it's Exodus. Part of the Exodus. Mm -hmm. It's part of leaving the Babylonian captivity. Yeah, and then some of them tried to go out and he told them you get enough for that the Lord's Day or whatever uh -huh. and you don't get any more. And they always seem to get extra the day before that would keep. But they still go out and try and get it on the Lord's Day <clears> and it would be gone. Exactly. But yet, yeah. that one day God would give them enough extra for that one day of rest. Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. He told me, gather for six days. Yeah. You said, gather enough on the sixth day, the last you can do the seventh day, so you didn't have to go out and work and do, do it on the seventh day. Right. But some of them didn't want to do it that way. Mm -hmm. They also complained about not having meat, so Any they meat? sent a bunch of birds, yeah. and quails. Mm -hmm. Until it comes out their nose. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that. Yeah. God. He gave him so much because he got mad at it. I'll give you quail. You can't stand it anymore. <laughs> Sometimes be careful what you ask for. Very true. Any other comments or questions? Yeah. Okay. Oh, thank you. Very good. A great record. Very, very. Well, let's let's close in prayer as uh, it's getting on time. Dear Lord, we thank you for the word and the challenges that we get in the third chapter and even the whole book of Lamentations, knowing more about it and just your promise of faithfulness to us through our most trying times. In light of that, our nation celebrates this week and we might forget uh, or be covered up in celebration of our trying times, but let us always remember your faithfulness in both the celebrations of life as well as life's most trying moments. Whether we have been to church or we are about to go to church, let us go out with this message. And we thank you for the opportunity to be together to dive into your word this morning. Be with us. Amen.